Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. everybody to the spin this podcast the podcast where we discuss everything in the music world in the kind of solar system of music as it were everything kind of orbiting around music even cursorily related to music my name is aiden as always i'm joined by my co-host sam dow how's it going sam and i'm sam (laughs) (laughs) you fucked up my entire intro yeah yeah uh, I'm doing all right. All How right, all right. Shots fired. I understand. <laughs> Sabotaging my intro. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Not bad. Uh, yeah. So I think we've got a, a good amount of ground to cover for this particular episode, and uh, with a lesser amount of time to cover it because we're going to try and be uh, efficiency at its finest. Yes. Uh, just the amount of workload that we've taken on as of late, mixed with the podcast has made it kind of difficult to manage editing the podcast on our free time, so. Yeah. So we'll try and keep it under an hour for the listenership. Yeah. We are still in the process of doing episode seven, so hopefully it should be released by now. Well, if you're listening to episode eight, episode seven probably came out already. Yeah, unless this one retroactively becomes episode seven. <laughs> well, I don't think that. That one, um, no. Yeah. Unless I unless I find out that I said something way too cringe in episode seven, which is always liable to happen, so yeah. But we wouldn't just cut it, or we would cut that. We wouldn't cut. We wouldn't scrap it. We wouldn't scrap the episode. Sometimes some things are too are too cringe that they devour an entire episode. So yeah, I mean, only the true <laughs> fans have listened to the lost episodes of Spin This. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, so you wanted to begin the episode. Uh, yes, 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 yes. So to uh, uh, to provide some context to what's about to happen on this audio podcast will be a live unboxing of a letter. Well, a, a letter mail envelope that I sent to Aiden uh, a couple weeks ago that he has been sitting on for a while waiting to open it live on the podcast. So should I just open it right now or do we need more preamble? Um, I, I'm sure that this is something that I've alluded to, to you and maybe even on the podcast, but, uh, you will open it and know exactly the significance of this. So open it up and narrate as you open this wonderful existence. Okay. I'm opening up. I already, uh, uh, cut it open. So I'm just gonna, so to expedite the process, I'm just going to take it out and take a look at what we've got here. Alrighty, so look, what have we got here? Two signed Joe Smash guitar picks. <laughs> <laughs> well, both oh, sides. Wait, so Joe, oh, Joe Pass and Joe Smash. Yeah. Guitar picks. 
Once we die, so once we die and our podcast is known internationally, these will go for a lot of money. These will go for hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of dollars, I predict. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've got like, I think I have like 25 of them. So you have two of them now. Fuck. So I, I could only order in like batches of 25. <laughs> I have like 25 Joe Pass slash Joe Smash guitar picks. You flooded the supply and you've downgraded the value of my Joe Smash and Joe Pass guitar picks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but no, yeah, yours aren't even the originals. Yours are the knockoff of the knockoffs. <laughs> but in actuality, that that's fucking delightful. I love that. Did you design it yourself? Like the signature? Yeah. So the uh, the Joe Pass guitar signature is the it should be in theory the same signature that's on your guitar. Yeah, uh, and then I I I stole the Joe from it for the Joe Smash, and then created the Smash signatures. So the Smash looks noticeably shittier than the Joe of Joe Smash, but it looks like uh, clearly he's a fictional man. So <laughs> that's probably as close as we're gonna get. Uh, it was pretty seamless to me. I didn't even notice. In fact, this could look like the the initials of somebody, you know, given the name Joe Smash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I, 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 I don't think I mentioned to you that I was doing this, no. um, but I don't know if you saw our recent or our more recently updated, uh, cover photo on Facebook a couple weeks ago, the one that has Beamish in it where he's holding the, uh, the bridge cast. Yeah. No, the very symmetrical one. Yeah. I saw yeah. that one. Yeah. So there's the Joe Pass and Joe Smash guitar picks in that picture. Yeah. So it is technically canon. Yes, but I assume you probably thought those were just drawings, that those guitar picks didn't exist. I I did assume that. <laughs> yeah. And technically, those are the only things on that picture that I didn't draw. Like, I designed them and wrote out the signatures and stuff and sent it to the guy, and he sent me, like, a sort of PNG mock-up of the picks. Mm -hmm. And then I just took those images and threw them in there as, like, an extra layer of deception. I don't think this is the first time you've sent me guitar picks. I think you actually sent me the the pick oh, of the destiny from Tasha yeah, yeah. yeah, I still have that pick. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, maybe this will be a uh, continuing tradition if we come up with more relevant lore to add on to guitar picks. Excellent. So yeah, that that is delightful. I appreciate that. <laughs> you are very welcome. Alrighty. So shall we proceed to our uh, news and commentary section or something vaguely? approximating news and commentary so uh this past week or i guess last week uh i finally after many well at least several years released my uh my hit single internet phenomena uh for my fake mustaches and other songs album uh and that song very heavily features uh the amazing classical guitarist known as aiden claire who the hell is that uh, he's just uh, kind of an old spinster that just uh, twiddles around on a Joe Pass guitar with the Joe Smash pick. He probably uh, played classical guitar because he was just lacking uh, a good guitar pick to do so. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, but yeah, so pretty much uh, I finished that song. Uh, I think the last actual work I did towards that song was September 2019. And since September 2019, I've been asking for you to add some of the guitaro classico elements to the song. 
and then 11 months after that you finally did it yes uh, actually <laughs> well um i started on it shortly after the pandemic started i think uh yeah. and i i recorded the the first two solo sections and then most recently i got around to recording the last solo section that you hear uh, the one that yeah. fades out with the outro of the song <clears throat> yeah and i'm happy with how it turned out i'm glad even though uh because I, I it, it's gone through many changes. Uh, I think the first version I had recorded uh, the demo in like 2016, uh, and then I rewrote a lot of it, and then I actually performed it live at uh, the Crazy Talk event in 2018. Yeah, it's event. it's been interesting to see the evolution of the song from a lyrical standpoint to the stuff that you've mm -hmm. added to it. Actually, I think uh, this album, I actually dig a lot of the tracks on this album. And I think uh, not only have I contributed the guitar, I've also mixed and mastered some of these songs as well. I think of I'm, mm -hmm. I think of the same album, right? The same as yep. Hero and uh, Science Fiction Future, Science Fiction, which is still my favorite because I just mm -hmm. think it's such a beautiful song. Yeah, that one. I, that one wasn't my favorite while I was writing it. But then after your elements were added, it became one of my favorites. Um, I'm not sure if you want to, we can edit this out because it actually refers to a song that's not released yet, if you want. Well, but, maybe we can tease that then. Yeah, but the Millennial Millennium one is actually quite similar in vibe to science fiction future scene. And uh, that one, as I previously mentioned, has not been released yet, but mm -hmm. it is also a delightful song. And I would move, uh, motion to move, that we... You, or that you in particular use that song as the outro to the album because it works so well as an outro. Yeah. 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 I've, I've been thinking about that since you mentioned it because it used to be a much uh, faster and in a higher key song. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I'd been playing it for a while. Uh, and then I, um, at one point, I just for fun, I made, uh, I edited the file of the song to play it at uh, like 30% speed or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so it became this really weird sounding thing and I liked the sound of that and then uh, I decided to record it at that slower tempo and that lower key and then I've been working on it and I was like yeah I, I mean I don't know if I like it more than the other one and then I send it to you and you said oh this would be perfect for the outro of the album and now that's kind of given me a new perspective on it where it's kind of like the uh, the bittersweet finale of the album yeah just looking at the way that the album is presently balanced as a set on SoundCloud, there are certainly songs that are a little more up-tempo or a little more bombastic, I guess you could say, like mm -hmm. uh, Theme Song, which is the one with the uh, harmonica. The Hero is a little more up-tempo. Uh, and then I feel like this song would kind of be the perfect coda to the album to kind of segue out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So hopefully within the next several weeks, I'll be uh, getting that one out into the world lovely do you have any either personal news or world news or music news in general i have a few pieces of news uh so we were talking in past podcasts about how this ongoing covid19 pandemic has affected the music industry both globally and regionally uh oops oh, i just played an advertisement by accident but yeah sorry the uh so I was looking into different articles and I compiled a few of them because I wanted to kind of look at how different parts of the music industry or different regions have been affected by the pandemic. And it looks like the, the music industry, depending on record label or the depending on the region, has 
acclimated to the COVID-19 pandemic in vastly different ways. Bandcamp, for example, which is, of course, most people will know a platform for people to release their music independently, Mm -hmm. uh, actually did quite well because what they did during the COVID-19 pandemic for a little while was that they actually let artists have 100% of the profits from their work. And uh, they usually take a 15% cut off of any revenue earned from purchases. And I think they take a different cut off of... I think they take a 15% cut off of music revenue and then a 10% cut off of merch, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there's definitely... Uh, uh, I've looked into it before, and um, it seems like there's a fair, more transactional fee if you've when you've reached certain milestones of sales. Yeah. And in this case, it looks like they've actually done quite well, or artists who have put their music up on Bandcamp have done quite well, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think it speaks to a larger trend where we're now moving towards streaming as the primary way music is consumed mm-hmm. at least recorded music i think like it's kind of fair to say that eventually streaming will subsume all other all other forms of music consumption uh, at least from a digital perspective and from a recorded music perspective right if online music collaboration software continues in the same trajectory that it's going we see now these kind of tectonic shifts in the way music is not only consumed, but perhaps even the way that music is created and conceived as well, which is kind of interesting because this kind of echoes my own feelings about how uh, media is kind of changing away from these consolidated huge companies controlling vast swaths of market shares, not only for streaming music, but also for streaming television and, and movies I no longer think that there will be any need for there to be, uh, you know, single companies like MGM or Disney controlling huge swaths of the market. Uh, but this probably won't happen for quite a long time. Uh, it takes a while for new technologies to really catch on with a huge audience. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I feel like what will happen is that streaming will become the primary way in which music is consumed. Music, television, films, everything like that. And then what will happen is that the next thing to challenge that will be independent media, particularly independent media using streaming uh, as a way of challenging larger production companies. So you'll have smaller independent producers, like take, for example, on YouTube, you have like PewDiePie, for example. Uh, This is not an endorsement of PewDiePie necessarily. We're not affiliated with him in any way, shape or form. It's good to give a shout out to a small producer like that, though. Yeah, he is basically, I mean, he's an independent producer, but, you know, if you look at companies like NBC or Fox, they have a presence on YouTube, but they don't have nearly the level of following that PewDiePie has. Now, I'm not sure if PewDiePie is a good example. I I think he might have some kind of uh, deal with a larger uh, production company or distributor. I'm not exactly. Uh, I think at this point he's independent. Yeah, he's probably functions like he, for a big part of his career. He was signed with a company that may have been affiliated with like one of Disney's subsidiaries. Yeah, I would like to see. Like, it's possible that he's a sole proprietorship or an LLC or something like that. So I'd like to actually look at that. But but anyway, um, so this is my theory overall: is that this is eventually how independent media will actually. Uh, function as a challenge to larger consolidated companies like, you know, Time Warner and, uh, you know, Sony and all these other companies that are controlling vast swaths of the music industry. Because right now, uh, 
independent labels, while they do have, in an aggregate sense, a huge control over the market share, uh, they don't singularly have individual controls over the market share, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. as a as an aggregate, they they do challenge Sony and you know Warner Music Group and all these other larger companies that control the market share. I think what what will eventually happen is that their position will eventually become superfluous because a lot less people who produce their own music will seek out major labels in order to produce and distribute their music because it will be eventually become not even necessary. And the level of control and oversight is something that will probably seen as a disadvantage for a lot of people. So this is my theory over time, is that this is eventually how independent producers and independent labels and everything like that will eventually uh, challenge the uh, um, major labels and major production and distribution companies. Yeah, like I definitely think that there's definitely more and more spaces for individual musicians to kind of build their own uh you know market share or you know audience you know fan base whatever um through these various tools like bandcamp i have a bandcamp page i i add completed albums to it um i can't say that i've ever really had many downloads let alone uh paid for downloads on bandcamp uh at least i use it more as a you know unlimited uploaded music space where people can stream the stuff when my SoundCloud runs out of space. But there's definitely a, a fair amount of people that I follow that seem to do all right when they have their uh, band camp uh, incorporated. Like I bought uh, Joel Henry Little's FFAFTA album uh, a couple months back, mm-hmm. uh, and that was through Bandcamp. I think that probably the big barrier for people trying to make a sustainable career as an independent musician which is probably the same thing that's hard about being a successful musician at all is uh, getting your stuff recognized and found, which is always kind of uh, the real barrier to entry because there's a lot of great tools out there that can support you to do it independently. It's just more uh, being able to build that without a, a big media conglomerate to to support that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But it looks like overall, independent labels still have quite actually even a smaller proportion of the market share than most others do, even on aggregate. It looks like Universal Music Group uh, looks like has 32.41% of all market share. Sony has 30.25. You have Warner with 19.15. And then you have independent labels on aggregate with 11.42. So, Mm. I mean, uh, I think like it'll take some time before this market share actually sees any substantial change. But I think through streaming, which will probably become the dominant form, and through the manner in which, like you said, individual artists can produce and distribute their own music or use uh, platforms like Bandcamp in order to distribute their own music, I think Mm -hmm. eventually the, the need for using these big distributors will eventually over time become absolutely superfluous which is a good thing because yeah. if you look at these labels like there's just a few of them and they mm. and I'm surprised that there isn't some kind of antitrust legislation that is going after these companies for consolidating in the way that they are because holy shit like just looking at the percentages it's it's ridiculous there's like two or three companies mm-hmm. but anyway uh so uh, and another thing is like uh, it it looks like some companies in different regions are 
reacting to the COVID-19 pandemic and experiencing uh, losses or increases in different ways? Because it looks like in Germany, they've seen a 4.8% increase overall in music industry revenue uh, throughout the first half of 2020, which is the first two financial quarters. So mm. I think that mostly has to do with the way that they've adapted their music industry and have uh, you know focused a lot more on sales and, and distribution of recorded material over like live performances and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not sure how the music industry in Germany operates. Um, yeah. It might be totally different to like the distribution of sales of recorded material might be different than the proportion of, of revenue generated from live music. Uh, it might vary by district, but from what I understand live performances on average, generate a larger proportion of revenue in most situations than recorded music does. But mm. I don't I'm not entirely sure. But this also doesn't take into consideration the amount of money that artists generate uh, from streaming, uh, which is something that we could probably discuss another day, because a lot of artists do not make a substantial profit from streaming, especially on mm. sites like Spotify and everything like that. And there has been valid criticisms levied at big companies like Spotify and Tidal, like we've mentioned before. Yeah. But that is a topic I would probably like to do a little more research on before I talk about. So, yeah. Um, I was going to ask about a piece of news that uh, did, I did. I'm just not sure if we talked about it already. Did we talk about Logic? Logic. The rapper. Oh, okay. I thought you meant Logic Pro, for example. No. <laughs> <laughs> Logic the rapper. Um, no, I don't believe we've actually talked about him before. Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, a couple weeks ago now, or I guess like a month ago at this point, uh, he released his last album and has retired to become like a, a an epic twitch stream gamer yeah okay so that is something that you actually did mention to me via facebook yeah i don't know much about logic the rappers to be completely honest with you like uh, my main association with them is that uh our friend jake well not your friend but like me and max and other people's friend jake is a enormous logic stan He's the main person that I know of. Like whenever uh, uh, I associate Logic with someone, it's with him. Uh, and I've heard a couple Logic songs, and I think he's definitely uh, got some talent. Uh, and he's not a very old guy. Like he's, I'd be surprised. I guess he uh, uh, on Wikipedia, he's 30 years old uh, this year. So I don't know. Like I, I don't know why just completely retire or like announce that you're retiring from music forever. Uh, it feels like closing a door on something seems silly. Yeah. Especially when you've got like, you know, like if, if he doesn't want to, you know, perform, for example, then that's one thing. Um, or if he says that he's taking an indefinite break or if he says that he's just not doing music uh, at the moment or he's not doing music right now. It just it's weird because retirement sounds like you're closing the door on it forever, uh -huh. which is kind of I don't know, like. Can you imagine yourself at 30 years old being like, all right, I've done all the music I'm going to do. I'm done forever. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea is kind of ridiculous, but yeah, if you're passionate about music, then like, why would you just say, all right, I'm done music forever. I can make some conjectures. The, the main one would be that perhaps I demand conjectures. <laughs> okay. Justify this man's actions. 
Okay, so I can make a few conjectures. One is that he may have ostensibly said that he was going to retire, but he may contribute his musical talents in different ways. Like he may feature on, or perhaps he's, you know, retiring the moniker of Logic, but is going to pursue different projects entirely. Like it's possible that he's retiring Logic, the brand, the name. Uh, I'll cut you off right there. His Twitch channel is Logic. So... Okay, that, well, that kind of completely dismisses that. Not entirely. I mean, what if he's rebranding as a Twitch streamer? I guess Twitch Twitch TV slash Logic. Yeah. So no, I'm what I mean. <laughs> what I mean is that perhaps he's using that brand to continue his success as a Twitch streamer, but it may not necessarily entail that he's quitting music altogether. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, it, I'm just on his Wikipedia. It says in July. Uh, 2020, Logic announced his retirement as a rapper with his final album, No Pressure. Okay. Well, so I feel like the conjectures that I have are probably not very helpful in this conversation. But in this particular case, I mean, it's possible that like even if he's say saying that he's retiring, perhaps he's just saying he's retiring from the career of being a rapper. He might not necessarily stop making music altogether. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Well, I think Death Grips did the same thing. It just seems like he's done with music and now he's going to be a Twitch streamer, which is fine, I guess. I don't really use Twitch or anything. And I didn't really listen to his music as Logic, but I, I know that he's a good musician. It just seems like when people have a passion for music, it's weird that they would just, you know what, I'm done. This music thing's been great, but uh, I'd rather play video games for a living. Like, I mean, that's fine, but... If well, it's a creative passion, it just seems strange to me. But there's, I would say that there's a difference between saying I'm completely severing my creative passion versus I'm no longer continuing my career as a musician. I think those are two kind of distinct things, wouldn't you say? Um, I got the impression it was a complete severance. Really? Of, of like creating music in general or pursuing music? Yeah, I don't think he'll... I think that his announcement was that he's no longer... He, he has quit a music career. Yeah. And now he's pursuing a uh, video game career. So it's possible that he's going to continue to make music or perhaps on a more hobbyist scale. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, yeah. Like and I, if, if that's the case, then that's amazing. You know, mm -hmm. like if he's the kind of guy that he'll uh, upload, uh, you know, a track every couple of uh months or years on soundcloud without really any fanfare behind it uh just as he uh you know decides to to play the latest call of duty and fortnite on twitch then that's admirable after talk talk the band created their three most critically lauded albums mark hollis who is the frontman of that band the songwriter behind a lot of their songs retired but he occasionally came back and contributed his music in different ways. Uh, he actually also had a solo album that dropped after he had ostensibly retired. So, I mean, I, I feel the talk, like... The Talk Talk retired. Well, the Talk Talk, talk disbanded after their last right. LP, but uh, which is, I believe, uh, Laughing Stock in the early 90s. I think 1991, if I'm not mistaken. But... Mm -hmm. um, Mark Hollis did a solo album afterwards, and then he ostensibly kind of disappeared for a little while. But every now and then he would crop up here and there to contribute his music to 
you know, television and, and movies and stuff like that. So I don't think it's necessarily entails, I don't think this necessarily entails a total severance of any connection to your passion for music in general. But I think the career right. It's just being... he said retirement as a rapper. Mm-hmm. So if he comes up in the future uh, and he's released or his name is attached to a newly released song where he is rapping on it, he's a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to I'm calling you out logic <laughs> if you do that hypothetical thing in the future. Yeah, but I will say that it is odd, especially considering the trajectory of his last few albums. I know that his last record, which I believe was called No Pressure, was actually quite critically acclaimed, especially when compared to a lot of his other more recent material, which was not as critically acclaimed. Uh, Mm. I know that um, uh, Anthony Fantano kind of famously gave the uh, Supermarket LP a not good rating. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not familiar with the Supermarket yeah, uh, I believe that was logic. I mean, uh, Death Grips did the same thing where they ostensibly retired as well, but then they just like came back randomly. I'm not sure if that's entirely comparable because when they retired, it might have been more as a publicity stunt. <laughs> so right. uh, that's up for debate, but I'm not sure. I mean, like I wouldn't rule out the possibility that we would see logic or uh, whoever logic really is, I'm not even quite sure. I- I'm ruling name. it out, though. <laughs> you are ruling it out because he has ruled it out, and I'm I'm holding him to it. Uh, what if he came back, but he wasn't rapping? What, what then that's okay. okay. If he comes back and he's like, uh, and he's like a, a a singer rather than rapper, then all out. Or if he comes back as a producer of other people's music, uh-huh. um, you know, if he's just making the sick beats or something for a a, a rap album, then I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, or if he's doing like one of those kind of R and B type singing, where yeah, I'm okay with it. It's just it's weird that? that uh he if he's closing the door on it, I'm 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 if he's closing the door, I'm locking the door. Okay, he's not <laughs> coming back. <laughs> Alrighty. So should we? I think we've said everything that we know to say. I mean, I just wanted yep. to do a quick uh update on our uh, favorite presidential candidate's <laughs> progress. <laughs> Um, I was going to do Joe my, Biden? uh, well, maybe if that's your favorite presidential candidate, but, uh, I'm, I'm partial to Mr. Uh, Kanye West, uh, okay. even though, <laughs> uh, just as a total, uh, anarchist candidate. But anyway, uh, it looks like he is short of ballot signatures in West Virginia. Um, I don't really have a whole lot else to say about that. Other than that, it seems that, uh, he has consistently failed to, really make his presidential campaign a legitimate enterprise but uh anyway i mean i i'm not even quite sure if i'm convinced of the seriousness of his campaign because uh, you know he is registered with the birthday party right so yeah which i well, didn't I mean, know west virginia is one state right yeah so, but i mean he's got 49 others to to win over so I think the, the the states announce their ballots at different times in the year. So mm-hmm. at in this particular case, I think it was recently released that he was uh, short ballot signatures in West Virginia, but uh, we don't know yet whether he'll actually be able to get on the ballots in several other states. I believe the last time we convened, he was not able to get on the ballot in South Carolina. So oh, 48 states. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's another state. I'm not even quite sure 
uh, how many states he's been rejected from the ballot from yet. So uh, don't take my word for it that he still has 48 states left. But anyway, I mean, like, uh, he's also still running as an independent. So uh, Mm -hmm. independents don't usually uh, track with a lot of voters. So if if he is actually eligible. What's that? Uh, never mind. Sorry, he's he's running with a party. I, I keep I keep I oh. I keep thinking that he is actually running as an independent, but he is actually technically registered with the birthday party, which and the birthday party is a real party that existed previously. Uh, is it? I'm not entirely sure. That's about what that. I'm asking. Because oh. <laughs> if, <laughs> if not, then what? Wouldn't it just be an independent party? Yeah. If he um, invented the party. Well, it's uh, it wouldn't be he wouldn't be running as an independent because it is part of a political party, which means no. that the party would. But it's have not its an own... independent party. Well, no, I guess that that defeats the purpose of it being independent. So, if you're running as an independent, it means you're not f- affiliated with any political party. But he is now affiliated with the birthday he... party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's beholden to their rules. <laughs> Has he chosen a running mate or anything? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> All right, so should we get into Joe Pass or Smash? Joe Smash? Smash? Some Smash. Joe Pass, Joe Ass. Joe Pass the Smash. Giuseppe Pasolini. <laughs> I somehow made it more Italian. Giuseppe is Pasolino. Yep. Pasalo. So at this point. I'll probably cut a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So the big um, one that we wanted to discuss. The, the one that has kind of been creating the most news and controversy has been WAP by so Cardi I, B and Megan Thee Stallion. So I will say it was the one I wanted to discuss the most <laughs> like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> because like by the time this is released, it's been like covered to death by everyone that has an opinion about music stuff. And yeah. I've seen a ton of those. Um, so I think the main thing was you wanted to talk about some of the reactions to it. Well, uh, okay, so this is not a political podcast at all. So we try to keep mm-hmm. our political opinions divorced from this. And I know that you didn't want to talk about this, so this might just me be going off about it. Yeah. But the thing that tracked the most amount of news was the reaction to this song by political commentator Ben Shapiro, yeah. uh, who was very critical of the song, to say the least. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reaction that he had probably just generated like some of the the most memes related to this song in particular uh especially the fact that um he he thought that wap which is an acronym for wet ass pussy uh was actually conducive with a medical condition (laughs) 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 so so this is this is obviously funny to, to us because we haven't been exposed to the memes. But for most people listening, this will probably be old news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think actually there are other aspects of his criticism which are pretty hilarious. Like the fact that uh, what he did was that he played the video and that he criticized the video as it was going along. He would do something where he would kind of stop. And the video is in this kind of like zany... Um, tim burton-esque mansion and uh there is actually parts where like he stopped to like criticize the architecture of the mansion yeah and i'm like this is the this is the pinnacle of criticism right here this is like this is uh the future of music criticism where we need to dissect every aspect of anything even related to the music yeah well i wanted to say uh 
so we didn't record a podcast last weekend because we recorded one two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so last weekend was kind of our off week. If we had recorded a podcast last weekend mm-hmm. uh, before the majority of discussions about this song had taken place, I would have absolutely done a Lord of the Trap game dramatic reading of the lyrics. Yeah. And it would have technically been done before, uh, I think before Ben Shapiro's really uh, had a lot of, maybe before he even did his video, but but then this podcast wouldn't have been edited and released before that meme was uh, widespread. So it would have just been the same exact thing as his video, but uh, even though I don't fuck with him personally, it wouldn't have been to the same comedy memeing level. Yeah, so I have the lyrics here. He says, yeah, you fucking with some wet-ass pussy. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet-ass pussy, right? So uh, he took issue with the volume of discharge from the... (laughs) (laughs) Right, Right? so uh, uh, not knowing at all the fact that this was definitely hyperbolic, right? And then he further dug himself a hole by... uh, No pun intended. By... um, (laughs) By consulting with his wife, who is apparently a doctor, oh. <laughs> around the medical condition of of apparently having a, a lubricated female genitalia, oh. and it's just the most. Uh, uh, I don't think I watched the video I, that far. Then I didn't see uh, all this stuff. <laughs> it is uh, a, a very bizarre viewing experience, I will say. But you yeah. know what? Uh, I'm going to try and limit my criticism to that. I, I want people to take that and really do with it what they will. And you know what? In, in a lot of cases, he proved the creators of this song, Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B, he proved them correct because the the level of moral panic that he exudes in this yeah. particular song uh, is kind of ridiculous and kind of indicative of the whole idea that why can't we have uh, expressions of female sexuality or why can't we have even uh, even, you know, expressions of human sexuality with you know some sense of vulgarity or some sense of just lack of any subtlety right because you know Mm -hmm. this song is not subtle it it has its you know it has a message that it's trying to pull it has an agenda (laughs) that and it's a very simple one yeah yeah and for the song itself i i thought it was a fine song like i you know in terms of the more uh, sexuality aspects of the song. Uh, I thought they were fine. Like, I don't typically listen to that, whether it's a dude or a woman expressing those sentiments. Yeah. Um, I thought the song was fun though. And the fact that it's had, uh, a lot of reaction to it, uh, it definitely justifies its own point in doing it, I guess, if that makes sense. Exactly. Well, that's the problem is that in effect, Ben Shapiro is proving yeah. the other side of the argument that he is, you know, asserting is necessarily wrong or morally outrageous. Yeah. But, you know, I I am of a I like I'm a very like sex positive person. I think that uh, people should be allowed to express their sexuality in wh- whatever ways they want. Uh, you know, it, it will probably land well. And in some cases, it's just, uh, you know, too overt or, you know, not you know, like, you know, interesting or attractive in any way but uh you know i feel like in general people should be allowed to do it right 
yeah. uh, as long as it's not malicious or as long as it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't denigrate people in, in general. In general? <laughs> sure. It, it doesn't, as long as it doesn't denigrate <laughs> people in genital, that sentence that makes works. perfect sense. <laughs> um, I will say, though, uh, I thought that Cardi B and Megan the Stallion were both, that their performances were good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, for the type of song it is, it was cleverly written. And even though it's not really the kind of music that I generally fuck with, for what the type of music it is, it succeeds 100%. So yeah. I, I will give it a Joe Smash. I'll, I'll give it a Joe Smash. Well, I think a lot of the press, whether negative or positive, well, I guess all press is good press, has mm-hmm. elevated this song to number one on the Billboard Top 100. So it, this song has definitely, whether it be from this sheer mimetic quality that it has... Or from yeah. the actual musical aspects that it has, which I, you know, I, I don't really see any, like, a lot of benefit in. I, I think it's a very, uh, you know, sparsely musical song. It has a repeating sample, which is the whores in this house, right? Uh, yeah. And that's pretty much all it has to offer musically, other than the 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 actual lyrics it's, itself, which, you know, like I said, are a little on the nose. <laughs> but yeah. But I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That could appeal to a lot of people. So, yeah. Well, like, but we've uh, reviewed a Cardi B song in the past, uh, and a Megan Thee Stallion song in the past, and the music that they've done, it generally is, you know, a single sample repeating more or less the entire song. Yeah. So, especially because we've reviewed them with those uh, critiques in the past, it's kind of like at this point. Like, I can't say that I want their music to be something different when their music is on brand for who they are kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so when they're making a Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion song and their message was entirely on brand with what they were going for, then it 100% succeeded in what they were going for. Yeah, okay. So it's like, I can't wish it's more musically complex when we reviewed their songs before and it's like, well, we know what their music style is at this point. I don't think this song is necessarily worse than what the genre is supposed to be, which is trap, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. I, I think that in general, a lot of work in this particular genre falls short uh, musically because it doesn't have a lot to offer musically. Uh, and I, right. I'm not necessarily saying that uh, the music is bad because of that. I'm saying that it doesn't appeal to me for that very reason. And for the reason that I think I actually articulated in the last episode, which Mm. is I like to approach music or a song in a particular way, which is I, I I can appreciate the lyrics. I I can appreciate it from a more analytical sense, but I prefer there to be some sort of uh, music, uh, at least from a composition and arrangement standpoint that augments that in some way. Yeah, I mean, like, my main thing is uh, if you're listening to a song from the trap genre uh, and you want something that isn't the trap genre, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, "Ah, I liked it, but I would like it more if it was, like, 90s hip-hop. Which is fair, yeah. I mean, I I would say that... Well, I'm saying it's not fair because it's, like, it's not 90s hip-hop. Like, I, I like this, but I wish it was, you know, 1960s psychedelic rock. But I think it's actually fair to say that stylistically the genre falls short, which is I, I okay. think fair. Yeah, that's that's a, an argument to make. That that's the argument that I am trying to make is that okay. well, I 
to be fair, what I mean... That but as a trap song in that case, it's a good trap song. Sure. Uh, and also, when I'm referring to trap, I'm I'm referring to this song as it encapsulates the genre of trap. Okay. I'm not yeah. necessarily saying every trap song is necessarily, uh, you know, this formula. Right. Yeah. Yep, that's fine. Actually, that's, that's um, I guess, kind of apropos another one of the songs that I wanted to talk about, which is the Drake song... Laugh Now, Cry Later featuring Little Dirk. Did you want to talk about that one next? Yeah, I listened to the Drake song. I'm not a huge fan of Drake in general, but after watching the video for this Drake song, uh, my main takeaway was that uh, through a series of tangents, I discovered that uh, all of the old Degrassi episodes are on YouTube, like uploaded on the main Degrassi channel. Really? So, yeah, so you can watch the episode where uh, Drake, a.k.a. Jimmy, gets shot and uh, loses the use of his legs. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. But that's kind of, that was pretty early on for a show that was like 20 years ago. Yeah, that's fair. And that's probably the highlight of Drake's career, in my opinion. But I thought this song was better than other Drake songs that I've heard. Like, it, it was better than Tusi Slide. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily agree. some... agree. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a Joe Smash, uh, but I wouldn't give it Joe Pass. I'll probably listen to it a couple more times. Uh, I'll listen to it maybe twice. Um, it's just that I don't remember it off the top of my head. So it's, it doesn't have that kind of, uh, earworminess of sticking around in my head after I've listened to it. Um, unlike, you know, WAP, but uh, I do think it's, uh, it's better than some of his other stuff. So I, I think that Drake will earn a chance for me to re-listen to it later. So it's kind of the, the Joe middle. Uh, I think that Drake's music, like as an aggregate on aggregate, does have a very kind of earwormy quality. Uh, and I would uh, use songs like God's Plan as an example and um, One Dance. Uh, these are past songs that Drake has made, which have been extremely commercially successful. Uh, in this case, this might have, this might stem from the fact that I've only listened to the song once before, but uh, similar to you, I I can't actually remember <laughs> the song and the lyrics. Yeah. But um from what I remember, from my cursory listen, I actually did like the kind of synth horn sample that they used in the background. One of my criticisms of Drake's tunes overall is that uh, he is a singer uh, who sings in a very kind of moderated range, and he tends to he tends to sing in an almost soporific kind of way, where he doesn't overly accentuate or he doesn't alter his dynamic range in any way. Uh, which is not entirely a bad thing. That is a style that typifies contemporary R&B. In this song in particular, I thought it was a little more musically diverse, which is nice. I think that um, a Drake at his best, uh, from a production standpoint, does like to incorporate a lot of things from other styles, which makes it interesting. One Dance in particular has that kind of... Uh, dotted quarter note against quarter note beat it might be it might be dotted eighth note against eighth note beat not entirely sure off the top of my head i do like the the level of stylistic influence that goes into his tunes i think his singing is fine i do think it's rather uninteresting uh and obviously it doesn't employ a some degree of auto-tune which may throw some people off i i don't personally mind since that that has in some ways become a stylistic staple of contemporary r&b this is a Drake song that does harken back to a lot of other his other materials, at least from a formulaic standpoint. Uh, but I think that the song and also the video, which is fantastic, I think from a, a video logical standpoint, uh, 
the song and the video does kind of create a better experience than the sum of its parts. Uh, so I, I actually quite kind of like the video, and I thought that from a uh, production standpoint, the video actually does kind of amplify the music. But I think by itself, the song is interesting, but still not of a quality where I would say it surpasses a lot of Drake's past material. Yeah, and the Degrassi episodes were really good because uh, the, the particular episode where the, the shooting goes down is a two-part episode. It happens in part two. But part one, uh, him and the, the guy that's the shooter, they got like a whole like beef going on where they kind of just hate each other. Uh, and then they're both reluctantly put on the kind of school trivia quiz game team. And uh, they got to like help each other out of some tight questions. But then uh, some bullying happens where uh, Rick, the shooter, uh, he, he gets like uh, tarred and feathered on stage at the thing. And then he thought Jimmy did it. So he's like, fuck Jimmy. He shoots him right. in part two. Excellent. <laughs> so those ep- Thank those you for the, the recap. The, the <laughs> two-part episode of Degrassi so I that I watched. I don't watch Degrassi because you've pretty much given me the entire synopsis of that episode. So Well, there's there's like 20. There's more. There's an innumerable amount of seasons of Degrassi, and they're okay. all on YouTube. Okay. Fair enough. But those that two-part episode, I'll give it to Joe Smash. Is Degrassi <laughs> a show where you, where you would say that it's... Worth watching from the beginning to the very end. Well, the beginning is like the grassy high in like the nineties, mm-hmm. so or maybe the late eighties. I don't know. But so you, you've got a lot to catch up on. So, do you mean twenty seasons? As in, this is too? Because I know that they had Degrassi, the Next Generation. Do you mean? Do you mean Degrassi, just the show, or does do you do you count the other? The other one series as well. The original series were called like Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Uh-huh. And then there's Degrassi the Next Generation that had Drake on it. Okay. And then and then that turned into just Degrassi. Oh, okay. And then that turned into the shitty uh continuation that happened on Netflix uh which eventually got the the series canceled forever. Okay, so this was a relatively recent cuz I'm I'm just trying to do some arithmetic in my mind like how old is Drake like how, how recent was this? Drake wasn't on the original Degrassi. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, did you want to proceed to Get Wrecked? I think we still have time to do Get Wrecked. Okay. Get Wrecked, nerd. Okay, so for Get Wrecked, nerd. So this uh, this week, I just wanted to, to recommend the album... Uh, Morph the Cat by Donald Fagan. Okay, yeah, um, Donald Fagan of Steely Dan. Donald Fagan of Steely Dan. Yeah. Um, so I know that I've, uh, over a series of years, I got you into Steely Dan. Uh-huh. And I know for sure you've listened to the Nightfly album by Donald Fagan, which I will probably say is my favorite of his albums. I doubt that you've probably, maybe you have heard some of Morph the Cat, but if not, I'm guessing you probably haven't properly got into it. Uh, I'm not sure if I've listened to that one before at all. Okay, cool. So this is perfect then. Uh, so this was actually my first exposure to either of Donald Fagan's solo work or Steely Dan, really. So this one, I think it came out in 2006. So I remember uh, listening to this a lot with my dad when we would like go to the cottage and stuff like that. Uh, and then I remember I was very familiar with this album as well as The Nightfly. Uh, and I remember seeing... Steely Dan in concert, and I was more familiar with Donald Fagan's solo albums than Steely Dan, which is infinitesimally more well known than 
Donald Fagan as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. So this one, it has like a special nostalgic place where it was like my first entry into uh, Donald Fagan's music career. Um, I'd say just about every single song on the album is a Joe fucking smash song. So I highly recommend this album if you've enjoyed Steely Dan or any of Donald Fagan's other works. Okay, excellent. This is following up on last week where I was originally going to recommend to you a Bossa Nova album because I know that you had incorporated some Bossa Nova into your own tracks. But at the time, I couldn't decide which Bossa Nova album I wanted to recommend to you, so I instead recommended that uh, Klaus Augerman album. I decided that I want to recommend to you my second favorite Bossa Nova album because I don't want you to listen to the my absolute favorite yet for reasons that I hope you'll understand in the future. For that reason, I wanted to recommend to you the Antonio Carlos Jobim album Stone Flower. My first favorite Bossa Nova album of all time is also an Antonio Carlos Jobim album or just Tom Jobim for brevity's sake. But uh, this album is a great Bossa Nova record, probably one of Tom Jobim's more famous Bossa Nova records. And uh, yeah, I recommend it. I will definitely listen to it. Cool. Alrighty. So some quick SoundCloud shout outs. Yeah. So the the uh, the SoundCloud account I'm going to recommend is a fellow by the name of Stoner Jazz. So that title itself is a very attractive title. <laughs> um, but uh, he was a guy that he uh, he liked a couple of my things uh, over the past week, and then I listened to a couple of his things. And it's you know it's kind of what you'd expect from a title like Stoner Jazz. Um, a lot of the titles are a little bit rambly, and it's definitely got some weird. I guess more electronic-y production to it. But he was the kind of guy that liked a couple of my things, and then I liked a couple of his things, and he sent me a message saying, thanks for the visit, Sam Dow. So I think he's a delightful chap that should have some some listeners. So uh, it's not soundcloud.com slash stonerjazz. It's like slash user dash 91108367979. So we'll include a link to that. Excellent. So the SoundCloud account that I wanted to shout out on this particular podcast was IDACT. Uh, I believe he used to go by IDACT. I think he now goes by just his name, Dario Capasso from Italy. Uh, I believe that he actually... Dario s- Giopasso? Dario Capasso. Giopasso, what is it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, this guy makes some really cool stuff. Uh, it comes from more of the experimental electronic world. Uh one can see inspiration from artists like uh, Autiker, uh, you know, IDM artists from the Warp Record label, uh, but it's very much focused on creating uh, kind of a, a sonic sculpture type of thing. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. It's just really cool music, very well produced, very interesting kind of sonic sculptures. Awesome. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spin This Podcast, a podcast where... Everything that's musical is musicked in the world, and we talk about those things that are musical. I've been Sam Dow. And I'm Aiden Clare. And you will spin, spin, spin next time. Hell yeah, brother. Known by reputation, overnight sensation on the internet. <laughs>